please join me in prayer. Father, what a delight to be reminded of voices and languages of every tongue, tribe, and nation called to be part of your body, answering the call of your mission in this world. Father, we pray, we pray that this morning as we just reflect on that and celebrate that reality, uh, that we would see it with fresh eyes, that we would grow um, in appreciation for the diversity of what it means to be human made in your image. Father, we thank you for your creativity and for your genius. We repent of our inability often to see it or appreciate it for what it is and instead to be threatened by it. Lord, may our future vision of the kingdom be what defines our reality as we look one another in the eyes from every tongue, tribe, and nation and see first and foremost your image at work. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you very much. Just to start off, I want to do a little mental exercise with you. So, what I want you to do, look back on 2020. I was looking at um, memes online last night from January where people were talking about things that had already gone wrong in 2020. And they were talking about how this is a horrible year. Can we just skip ahead to 2021? And that was like before other difficulties and other things had also happened. So people were already done with 2020 in January, let alone the fact that we've been through a lot already since then. So the exercise I want you to engage in with me this morning is I want you to think of the last major international headline you saw about what's taking place geopolitically in North Africa. What was the last thing that you knew or heard about what was taking place in a crisis that was dominating headlines for years, but now in Syria? What do you know right now because of news and things fed in front of you about the current state of Asian financial markets? My guess is if you're at all like me, there's not a lot of things that come quickly to mind and we realize that when a world becomes preoccupied, and I think this is one of the devil's greatest tactics in sin, be it original sin or the specific sins in our lives, is the devil, one of the devil's favorite tricks is just a sleight of hand. Right now it's like a COVID smokescreen. And when any of us are confronted with sin, our typical first reaction is always to tunnel into a position of self-interest. The reason why the people of God have been invited into the mission of God from the very beginning to look outward and beyond ourselves is not only for the salvation and the participation in the kingdom of God of all nations, but it's actually God's gift to us to save us from ourselves. I want you to think now about every time you've ever been through one of the hardest circumstances of your life. And I'm not faulting you for this, but this is just human nature. I think we need to acknowledge it. 
that when we are confronted with sin, when we are confronted with hardship or trial of any kind, we kind of just tunnel in. Right? All of our news headlines lately have been all about ourselves. And one of the healthiest and best things for us is when we get to move beyond ourselves and see what God is doing all over the world in amazing places. There are 7.8 billion image bearers of God alive today in 195 countries throughout the world speaking over 7,000 different languages. God is still creative. God is still creating through that. And these trials, they, they, they steal kind of our vision and then they make us tunnel in. And, and so one of the things that the mission of God and our participation of it is, and to be reminded of God speaking in different languages and in different tongues and working through different cultures and peoples and the way that we even get to celebrate that, and even in the smallest way on our campus, is a reminder and an entrance into something that is so much bigger than ourselves. And God is on the move in the international church in ways that we're just not experiencing in the same way here. So maybe our need to be tied into that in a more substantial way is actually more important now than ever before. If you were simply to pay attention to the way that the world is populated today, this would be a, a reorganization of the world's map based on population. I'm from Canada, I think it's the most important place in the world, but it's kind of really insignificant based on population here, isn't it? Maybe when things freeze, they just disappear, I don't know. But with the eyes of God looking down on his world, the particular interest of any one of his children see the world differently than we currently do. And as part of the purpose as a follower of Jesus to try to adopt the vision that God has, isn't that what we talk about when we talk about a Christian worldview? A biblical worldview? To see things as God sees them. We see ourselves as the center of the universe around us, and in many ways that's natural. But it's not necessarily the way movement of growth as a Christian should progress. I'm reminded again every year when I get to leave the United States and go to different places, and in particular, I've got good friends in Africa, so I go there regularly, and it feels like the single best shot in the arm of my faith that I get every year is when I get to enter into the places where the church is exploding. Right here, we're talking all the time about how do we hold where we're already at, or, or um, the declining numbers and participation in church, or there's very much sort of a woe is us mentality when we talk about the Western church, and rightfully so in many ways because the numbers have been declining at a pretty consistent pace. And over the last number of years, even in the United States, there are four new non believers for every one new believer right now taking place. That's an incredible departure from a deep commitment to Christ into Christianity. Meanwhile, if we look at the way population, um, this is a regional distribution of Christians throughout the world put forward by Pew Research. Um, and this comes from 2018, I believe. Um, but if you look at the, kind of just the pie chart difference, right? You've got your regional distribution of Christians in 1910 throughout the world. And Europeans made up two-thirds of all the world's Christians at the turn of the 20th century. Before the world wars, 
It was the center of economics. It was the center of culture and center of focus for so much of the globe. Um, And Christianity enjoyed a place and a role within that. But look at the significant change that happened within 100 years where now Europe went from being two-thirds of the Christians in the world to one-quarter. Now, in the Americas, it's grown, but I want to remind you that when we say the Americas, we're talking more than America. In fact, America only makes up one quarter of these numbers, and more growth is coming out of the global south. In fact, I would argue that the heart of the global church has actually moved south. Where the Spirit is moving at incredible rates and where the the heartbeat of the global church is isn't necessarily in the West and in the Northern Hemispheres anymore. It's moved. In fact, the very places that sent out missionaries a couple hundred years ago are now often the places receiving the most missionaries coming back from places like Korea and Philippines and Nigeria. And we're seeing Asian and African pastors leading some of the most important churches in Europe and now in the U.S., We have such great conversations um, going on, and by great I mean like significant, not great as in woohoo, about refugees and immigration, and notice that in a a time where we're more anxious, we become a little more self-protectionary during that time, and how does that affect us, and what does that do to us? I want to flip that in conversation entirely with you for just a minute. Statistics show that upwards of 85% or more of all refugees and immigrants that come to the United States and Canada either are or will become Christians within the first 10 years of being here. I remember having this sort of like epiphany moment. I want to show you, um, let's see if this video will play for me. In January, I got to go, or last January, this is in Liberia, and one day when we went um, five, we drove five hours down dirt roads, and then another two hours on dirt bike through single track, through little villages like this, and got to go to places where the first Christian churches in all of history were being planted, and to watch those places be completely transformed, to see how alive they were, and how eager they were to show us their church, and just as we would ride over the, the, the jungle canopy here, and it's going to drop back down in a second, and, and you'll see the streets of, of a town we got to visit where the first pastor ever um, got to establish a church. And it was just so fun to be able to see the vigor. And as I was standing, it was actually on this trail, and I looked down at the red dirt I was standing on, and Tom Ord at the time was reading me back statistics from some of the research that we had done. It talked about the fact that in sub-Saharan Africa in 1910, there was only like a tiny 1.4% of all the Christians in the world were there. Today it's a quarter. So that's a growth from just a couple million to half a billion in, in the last hundred years. So when we looked at it back, we realized that actually we are standing on the reddest hot place of Christian growth in the history of Christendom. And I thought for a second, what if the future of my grandchildren's faith is actually dependent upon what's happening right here, right now? What if the heart of the global church that has moved so south and in different places and is being entrusted in different places by God now is actually going to come back and bless us in different ways? Will we have the humility to receive that? 
When you see or experience someone from a different culture, is your first instinct one of curiosity and excitement and awe and appreciation for God's diversity? You see, so often human nature shows us that we fear what we don't know. And so rather than being excited, we're actually, if anything, a little more intimidated. What if I say something wrong? What if I offend? And at the risk of doing that so often, we don't engage. And I guess what I've come to realize in my own life in the past decade is whenever I haven't done that, I've missed out. I've been robbed otherwise from getting to participate and see what God is doing in different places in the world. I don't go on mission trips anymore for them. I go for me. I get to see where God is moving. I get to see what God is doing. I get to see a fresh manifestation of the church. When you see somebody or even somebody on this campus from a different country and a different culture, they have something to offer your faith and strength in a way that we cannot do on our own because God's infinite wisdom made us interdependent on every single person on this planet because they all bear his image. And he's in love with them. Not only that, but let's talk about progress. From the book of Revelation, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This future picture of where it is that we're heading, if we want to talk about progress, normally those of us who've been raised in the West think about progress as in financial gain or movement towards an ease of life. But progress in the kingdom of God means a greater awareness of the lordship of Jesus Christ in my own life over all of the cosmos and the fact that he's doing this not just in my own neighborhood or under my own roof, but over an entire globe reclaiming all things unto himself and that's where we're headed. So if you want to talk about progress in the life of a believer, we're not talking about financial gains. And we're not talking about a movement towards an easier life or another home. We're talking about movement towards the things that God is taking us toward. Like the ability to experience worship and be with and understand and appreciate every tongue, tribe, and nation. As you and I grow in cultural awareness, we grow in Christian progress. As you and I grow in appreciation for the other, whoever that is, we grow in Christian maturity. We grow as a truer expression of the Savior that we follow. And make no mistake, it is exactly a ploy of the evil one to steal that vision from God's people. To take the parts that are different between us, our genders, Our skin colors, our abilities, our gifts, the countries we come from, to take all of those and use those as points of division between us. Rather than a a coming together in awe and wonder of the diversity of God. So I want to encourage you to think about the way that you get your news. The voices that you surround yourself with. Do we have a global vision in mind 
the way it's painted in Revelation? Are you and I making practical, tangible steps in our life each and every day to move more fully into the vision that Christ has for his kingdom that was laid at the foundations of the earth in its diversity and will be completed with a multitude from every tongue, tribe, and nation before the throne of heaven. So what are we doing to get there? In just a minute, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and we're going to spend some time reminding ourselves of the things in the world beyond where we're at. A little bit of intercessory prayer for other big movements and things happening in the world. And also, I want to draw your attention. If Ben, you guys want to come on back up to lead us. I want to draw your attention to this. If you haven't seen these posters or gotten this announcement yet, um, tonight, for anybody who's interested, we're going to gather um, back here at 8 p.m. We're going to do the world premiere of a short mini-documentary um, called Into the Fire um, that Dort Athletics has put together um, along with Jake Brower. We're going to be able to see and enter into a conversation in a doubt night type of format. We'll be able to text in questions, and I'll help moderate. And we just want to get some conversations going around um, racial tension and distrust and how that has um, been a problem for our own culture here in America. Um, but let's come at it from a, a several different ways. And let's have a conversation about that. Let's listen to one another and listen to some of our differences. Um, so we'll take an hour to do that tonight um, through a short 15-minute film and a 45-minute discussion afterwards. We'll do it back in this space. We're going to leave all the cards up. and You can just come in and socially distance and find your spot um, or sit with your, your roommates um, or significant other, and we'll have a conversation about this. So I just want to invite you back into that. Um, so if you want to take a tangible step into how it is that I rethink how I think about culture, race, differences, and am I really engaging this from the heart of God. I invite you back here tonight too. Will you pray with me? Father, heal us. Heal our nations. Cultivate within us a heart that is as interested in the other as we are as ourselves or as your son put it, to love our neighbor as much as we do us. Father, we acknowledge we have not done that not done it enough, and not done it well. And we're asking that when, when you would offer a cure to us for our selfishness, that that wouldn't just be a personal thing, but that would transcend all the way into broader cultural conversations, and national, international, about this world that you formed with your hand, in every single image bearer of yours that you sustain with every breath. God, you are good and you are creative and we see that all around us and on this stage again here this morning. May we hear you and be led by your spirit as it sweeps through the nations. Amen.